And welcome in to this week's edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. They're Northeast Florida's premier orthopedic physicians providing an unparalleled level of care. Visit Southeast Orthopedic Specialists in Riverside, Ponte Vedra, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and in St. John's. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. And the Florida Gators cap off another 10-win season, Denny. A dominating 40-17 to victory over Florida State this past Saturday. Uh, you pretty much called it. You said it was going to be blowout city. You were exactly I, right. I actually, I was, I was wrong. I said forty-one seventeen. A forty-one seventeen. Yes, yes. Yep. Why am I so low? Can like, <laughs> I'll work on that for geez, you. Yeah. Hacker is not taller than I am. Like, no, I don't know what this not. is going on. But anyway, um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of boring, right? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, I was telling James, big game James, my co-host on the Sports Den, who played at Florida State, is a major, 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 major Florida State guy. Um. It was like I had a travel weekend. I was in the car for 20-something hours. And so I come back, and I'm not even excited for the game. It's like, okay, well, the game's kicking off. Florida State scores. I'm still like, huh, okay, whatever. Well, I knew when they did a hook and ladder, when yes. Florida State did a hook and ladder on the first play, they were going to try to do a double pass as well before the penalty, that they were throwing everything, including the kitchen sink at Florida. And once those first – 12 plays were out the window. Once the script was done. Once the script was done, right, they were going to be in trouble. When you have to run hook and ladder first play, that's normally not a good sign. No, That, that no. normally means that you feel like you have exactly 0% chance of maintaining something and you're trying to capture lightning in a bottle. But give Florida credit because what could have happened in this situation is Florida could have gotten sloppy, turned the ball over a lot of times early in that game. and let, we, we see it every week on some level where – a team that's much better allows the other team to stick around because they turn the ball over and they give them momentum. We talked about it last week. Florida did not do that. Another sign that this program is heading in a direction under Dan Mullen that they need to be heading in is because in the past we've seen games like this, Florida played them close that they should. And by past, I mean this year, even early this year with Kentucky. Yeah. Games that shouldn't have been close, they allow to keep close by giving up third and longs, by turning the ball over, by doing stupid crap. They haven't done that the last four weeks, and you kind of see what's been going on uh, with the Florida Gators ever since, what, week four, five, six, somewhere right around there. Boys and seniors went out in grand style. John Grenard was unblockable uh, towards the latter stages of that game. You had Van Jefferson get in the end zone twice. Freddie Swain got in the end zone twice. You always love to see seniors in their final home game perform in that fashion. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's what a senior class this is for Florida given what they went. Through. And I'm not talking like – I don't think people realize like that whole coaching change stuff takes it out of a team. It, it is – it is uh, it's a tough thing to maneuver through. At that age, the new coach is pretty easy to, to go and build belief, but it's just that I don't know if this isn't the guy that recruited me. I don't know if he likes me. I don't know if I fit his scheme. And so there's a lot of doubt. So you spend a whole offseason during a coaching change working out for something that you're not even real sure you fit into. And so when you have a when you have a class that has endured a coaching change the way this this class did, and they come out with the right with the years they've had the last two years, man, you got to tip your hat to those guys. You really do. And it, and I think it is a it will be the class that got Florida back in the right direction, uh, hopefully for the next you know decade. Well, and one of the things too, granted, it wasn't the toughest home schedule. I mean, it did include a win over Auburn. 
but you go perfect at home. I can't remember the last time. I guess it was Muschamp 2012, so seven years, the last time that Florida went perfect at home. And, in fact, now they've won, I believe, eight home games in a row dating back to 2018. The Swamp at one point in the early to mid-'90s and even the, you know, the late-'90s, early-2000s was one of the most intimidating places to play in all of college football. That completely went to the wayside for, for a while there. But now you've won eight games in a row. You were undefeated at home this season. You like to see that home field come back a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it is um, it is something that lost its bite for a little while. I think that 7.30 kickoff helped too. Man. I agree. I, I agree. Being Thanksgiving weekend, I think if that game would have been a noon kick or maybe even a three 3.30 kick, I don't think you would have had – it was a sellout. I'm not sure it would have been a sellout. And that's not – look, that's not a knock against Florida fans. It is what it is. It's Thanksgiving weekend against a team that's not very good, even though it's your rival. And they didn't travel the way they would normally travel. But I think that 7.30 kick helped. I, here's the thing that I think helps Florida. Just And I'm not sure it helps from a recruiting standpoint, but just from an optic standpoint, is your two biggest games at home this year – uh, where your two sellouts, where your two, and I was at the Auburn game, and it was electric. I mean, it was as good as the swamp has ever been, as loud as it has ever been. And those were the two games that I think most people paid attention to on your home slate, and those are the two that the fans really showed out on. Two years now of Dan Mullen with one bowl game to go, twenty wins, five losses, an eighty percent winning percentage. Obviously, what a time it is yeah. to be a Gator fan because it, it appears, it appears. They have turned that corner, and they are way, way going up on that. Uh, you know, that green arrow is pointing yeah. upward now. And they're they're getting some help too, right? I mean, you look at what's happening in Miami. You look what's happening in Florida State. It has, certainly helps with recruiting. It, it he was re- he was recruiting. Okay, and I, I remember talking on this podcast about telling people, listen, y'all don't be too worried about this recruiting stuff, because Dan is a very much a relationship recruiter. You're starting to see that. You're starting to see relationships that were formed even with guys that were committed somewhere else that are now coming back around to Florida, and now they've got a chance to land a top seven class if everything goes their way. That's really the only thing that's missing in Dan Mullen's tenure thus far is that that really good – it's not going to be a top three or four class, and I'm not sure Dan Mullen will ever recruit that kind of class. But if he can stay, he's such a good coach, such a good developer, such a good play caller. If he can stay in that 7-12 to range in his time at Florida – then they're going to be very successful. It's just the way he's always been. Well, Denny, I asked you this earlier in the year, and I think now is a good time to bring it back up. Mullen, 20 wins and five losses. Taggart's already gone at Florida State. They're looking to replace him. He didn't even make it two years. Manny Diaz at Miami just lost to Florida International and Duke yeah. to close out their year to go 6-6 six and six and limp into a bowl game. Why did Florida, who was a four-win team before Mullen got there, why do you think they hit with Mullen where Florida State completely swung and missed with Taggart, and it appears Miami is not doing very well with Diaz? Well, they went after the guy that had experience as a head coach. Now, you can say that Taggart had, but not at the Florida State level. He had one year at Oregon. One year at Oregon, yep. Um, they went after the guy who, who was established, but the bigger thing is Florida gave him the tools that he needed. They hired the guys, let him hire the guys that he wanted to hire. They let him bring his staff in, and he was very smart with that staff. He did a good job with, this is what we need here. This is this is what the direction that we need to head, and this is how we win now, and this is how we set up for the future. And he was able to sell his message based on his 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 credibility that he had from his previous time at Florida and Mississippi State. He sold his message both to the University of Florida admin 
as well as the players. That's something that neither of those other ones had. If Willie Taggart was hamstrung from the time that he came in. Um, didn't get the people that he wanted in there right away. Then it became a little bit of a musical chairs, offense, two offense coordinators in two years, uh, things like that. And so he struggled. And, and quite frankly, they were having some major issues where he couldn't let guys go with their graduation rates. So he was kind of – he was in a mess, and he was bad on top of that. And I'm not even sure what Manny Diaz is doing. I, I don't even know – when Manny Diaz put together that staff on the sports den, we, we belly laughed about it. I mean, when you look at the staff that they put together at Miami, it's like, what the hell are you doing? And, and that's a good point. Six and six, obviously, it was not good. Yet they're doing pretty well in recruiting. They got two big ones over Who, the Miami? weekend. Yeah, they got Jalen Harrell and – uh, Knighton, right? So, I mean, they, they've Listen, done pretty here's, well. Here's the thing. They, they're they going to do fine, but can they keep them? Yeah. That, that, and, and that's in today's world is this transfer portal is can you keep them? We're seeing a lot of kids go places, and they're, they're leaving before they even get to their freshman year. And we saw it at Florida this year. At Florida, it was a problem. I'm not going to pay attention to recruiting classes until that whole staff has been there for a full year or that whole class has been there for a full year. There's so much that can happen, especially with early signing now. Now you're asking these guys to make decisions fresh off of their season before they even get to the second semester of their senior year. Decisions are rushed. Um, they see who else comes in in their, in their position class, and next thing you know, they're in the portal after the spring. 10-2 and two for the Florida Gators. You beat Auburn. You beat Tennessee. You beat Florida State. You beat every team you're supposed to beat, and we talked about that all year long. Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky. You had the two um, sisters of the poor schools that you played. You, you come up short against Georgia, and that was heartbreaking, let's be honest. LSU flat out beat you in Baton Rouge. When you throw all 12 games in, throw the whole ball of wax in there, what do you make of the 2019 season? About what you thought, higher expectation, lower expectation? No, I think it's exactly what we talked about all offseason. I mean, we, I think all offseason we were both consistent at 10-2. and two. Yeah. And, you know, you win one of those three. Now, I, the LSU game I, I take away as a positive because I, maybe I'm mistaken, but I think Florida played LSU. Auburn played them really well. But other than Auburn, Florida played LSU as well as anybody. They did. Has. And LSU scored on everybody. Yeah. I mean, they put 46 on Bama. The, the game was closer than even what the score was Agreed. against Florida. The Georgia game was a disappointment for me because it didn't feel like Florida played their game. It didn't feel like Florida played well. Now, I'm not saying they should have beaten Georgia. But they could have. I feel like they really could have. Georgia's defense is phenomenal. And so that has something to do with it. So if there's one – there's two games that really stick out to me in this, this year as far as poor performances. And that's the Georgia game, which is a high-pressure, high-stakes game you'd like to see them perform a little better in. And the Kentucky game I always reference because that's the game that I keep going back to of Man, we've got to find a way to just establish dominance in that game again. And it had happened to years. Now, a couple of things. I want to take a brief look ahead. Obviously, we're going to talk about Felipe Franks. That's right up your alley in a moment. But all the bowl um, projections, if you will, say the Orange Bowl, which is huge, right? I mean, yeah. ESPN came out this morning, said it looks like Florida's heading to the Orange. Denny, the problem I have with that, it looks like they're going to play Virginia. Freaking Virginia. If Clemson beats Virginia in the ACC title game, and heck, even if they don't, and Virginia pulls the upset, Virginia and Florida and the Orange, that's a no-win for the Gators. I I hate these conference tie-ins. If you win, you're supposed to. If you lose, it's a big story. Yeah, I hate the conference tie-ins with the bowl systems. I hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. 
I mean, back in the day of, you know, that, that runner-up would have been Miami or Florida State or something like that, and, and, and that made sense for the Orange Bowl. But the, we have now seen, you know, Wake Forest play here. We've seen, you know, now Virginia going down. It's just stupid. If you're, if you're going to have a playoff system and then you're going to make a big deal about this New Year's Six, then you know what? You put the best four teams in, the, in there, and then you put the next best 12 teams or whatever it is, and you play them against each other, period. The, Virginia is so – I would rather play in a next tier down bowl and get to play Oklahoma if they don't make it, or you know what I mean, or something like or that. Or Penn State, Penn St- Michigan. Yeah, not Michigan again. I don't want Michigan again. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I hear you. I'm tired of Michigan. I hear you. But but, but no, I, I get your point. You rather? I mean, look, I rather play Utah, Oregon. Yes, yes. Somebody like yes. that. Somebody you you don't see and somebody you want to see. I don't. I mean, other than I know a couple guys that play for Virginia that that I'm real I'm real close to their families and they're Antonio good people. Uh, Clary, Clary's right? playing for them. Sandalwood, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, other than that, I don't. I literally, other than them, I don't care at all about Virginia. I don't care that they have a football team. It is nice though to say you're going to the Orange Bowl, so it's a little give and take. Yeah, you're going to the Orange, but again, if you lose to Virginia, it's a big story. If you beat Virginia, well, you're supposed to beat Virginia. Yeah. So the Gators are in a tough spot there. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by the one and only Southeast orthopedic specialist they're northeast florida's premier orthopedic physicians listen for the good doctor kevin murphy on thursday mornings here on 1010xl of course he was under the friday night lights with denny and i all season long as well southeast orthopedic specialist is located in riverside the north side the south side the beaches fleming island and in st john's you can check them out on the web by going to se-ortho.com and you can listen to dr chris swanson monday nights on the Sports Den with Denny Thompson and big game James Coleman. Felipe Franks, Mm -hmm. it took less than 12 hours, basically, from the time the Florida State game ended, Sunday morning, the tweet comes out, Felipe thanking the University of Florida, thanking the Gator Nation, but he's looking at potentially the NFL draft or more than likely transferring to another school. When you saw the Felipe Franks story, and to your credit, Again, the work Denny does with six points and his quarterback training here in Jacksonville, he knows all these guys. Denny is as connected a guy as I know, and you kind of told me a month and a half ago Mm -hmm. that you did not think Felipe Franks was going to be back in 2020. You were proven to be right. Your reaction when it became official. Yeah, not surprised at all. I was a little surprised at the timing, but I get it. I understand. Put your name – get your name in the portal – and and see what level of interest you have officially. You don't have to do it through back channels. Um, Blake asked us a good question about, you know, Felipe being forced out, air quotes, and, you know, what that means as far as, you know, why. Why would you do that, essentially? I, I, I don't – this is no inside information. I have not had conversations with them about this specifically. But here's my thoughts on it is he was forced out. Uh, he was uh, forced out from the aspect of, they would have kept him if he'd have said, "Listen, I want to stay." And this is again my opinion, but I believe that it's a better situation for Florida. It's a better situation for Felipe to move on, which is why I've been saying it for for two months now. Is you, here's the situation you've got: you've got Trask, who Gator fans have grown to love, who has had a good year, but he's not the X factor. The X factor is Emory, right? And so now, all of a sudden, you've really got to figure out a way. To keep Emory at Florida. Now, the and you good, saw him play a lot against Florida State. The good thing is, is that I don't see a situation where Emory could get that waiver, so it doesn't really do him any good to transfer. 
because he's going to sit out a year, and if he just sat out a year, he would have the job. Worst case, anyway. I believe that Emory's a starter next year. That's my belief. That's just that's what I believe. So what it came down to was probably a situation where, look, Felipe, if you come back, you're not the starter. You're not even the backup. And unless something major happens, Anthony Richardson's probably our third guy because we've got to build for the future, right? And it's, it, it is the brutal reality of college football, but it is what it is. What, in what world would you want to play Felipe at this point when you have a line of quarterbacks behind him that have shown they can win major football games? Here's my point. Now, we talked about this briefly last week. Kyle Trask, it was like the perfect scenario this year because – all the Gator playmakers were wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Trask is a good pocket passer, can get the ball down the field. My thought is going into next year, without Tyree Cleveland, without Van Jefferson, without Freddie Swain, and without Josh Hammond, and throw Michael P. Ryan in there who caught the ball out of the backfield as well, you're going to need more of a scrambling-type Dan Mullen quarterback because you're not going to have the weapons. I mean, I got people telling me on, on XL Primetime, well, Kyle Trask threw for 24 touchdowns and – 3,000 yards or whatever. And I said, yes, he did. And how much of that went to Tyree Cleveland and Van Jefferson and Josh Hammond and Freddie Swain, four guys that will not be at Florida next year. But but Florida has plenty of weapons. Plenty of weapons. Those wide receivers, man. Grimes is, as long as he stays. That's the thing. We don't know about Grimes. If Grimes stays, Grimes is elite. Um, Who's the dude that broke all the ankles the other night? Jacob Copeland, Kadarius Toney. Kadarius Toney is electric yeah you've got pits back their wide receiver core next year is upper top three four in, in the sec now as it stands i still think they get a major transfer um in that as well and they're going to sign a couple dudes and they've got a couple dudes on the roster that are going to step up so i i don't think they struggle but to your point it it was a good year to just kind of sit back and toss the ball a little bit and dan mullen was able to do it in a quick fashion and the offensive line grew up a little bit as well. The only reason why I'm – at worst-case scenario, they're going to go into the spring without an announced starter because they've got to find a way to keep Emory there. Here's the problem. If you come out of the spring and you've already announced Trask, then what does Emory do in the summer? And, and they really like Emory Jones, and they really like Anthony Richardson. I know that. So it, it, it's, it's a unique situation. If you remember, and if you listen to Gator Bites and you listen to Sports 10 – when Felipe Franks went down on Kentucky, you can go back and look at my, my Twitter, at Denny underscore Thompson. I said right away, this just made this whole quarterback situation of Florida so interesting. There, the minute he went down, it had so many effects. And then when they put Trask in instead of Emory, my mind, like I was sitting on my couch and my mind was blown. Because in my mind, I'm, I trained Anthony Richardson. And so in my mind, I'm like, wait, what does this mean? Like, what does this mean? Because this goes against everything that I'd been told. Like, what does this mean? And then I, as I saw it play out, it's just a fascinating story. And, frankly, it was a room that did not have room for Felipe in it. Are they, not to put words in your mouth, are they happy that Kyle Trask is coming back next year? Well, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you always want that depth because here's – It complicates things, though, because there are some fans are going to want Emory. Some fans are going to want Trask. And I, I get it. I get it. But on the field – Whoever they announce as the starter, the first time a big interception happens or whatever, you're going to have a quarterback controversy, quote-unquote. The only thing that did was eliminate Joey Gatewood from the equation. That's the only thing it did. The, the rest of it, 
their focus right now needs to be on who gives us the best chance to win and how do we keep Emory. Because let me give you all a bad scenario, really bad scenario. Emory gets fed up, and he decides he wants to go to LSU, who needs a quarterback. What do you do then? Well, the bad scenario is if Emory wants to leave and does leave, Trask gets hurt, then you got real problems. I mean, e- even if he doesn't. Yeah. Now, now you've you've got Trask and a, and a true freshman, right? I mean, that's the so you've got to find a way to play the game if you're Florida, and we you've got to find a way to keep that quarterback room. You went from having an overflowing quarterback room to a very delicate situation now. Um, now, as far as Felipe, I think Felipe lands at a major school. I don't I don't think Felipe is going to be a North Texas type of Louisiana Tech, Driscoll type of situation. I think Felipe lands at uh, LSU or Louisville or, or, you know, something along those lines, ACC, SEC type of school. That'd be good. That'd be good for him, no question about it. Today's Gator Podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the Northeast Florida's premier orthopedic physician, providing an unparalleled level of care. Visit Southeast Orthopedic Specialist in Riverside, Ponte Vedra, north side, the south side, the beaches, Fleming Island, and in St. John's. As we begin to wrap up Gator Bites, Denny recruiting, getting hot and heavy, big um, week, week of visits, Gator coaches going all over the place, talking with current guys that are committed, trying to sway other guys that are non-committed. The more time Florida State's without a head coach, um, I would think that benefits Florida, at least here in the state. I know they got a commitment from another set of Pouncy brothers, yeah. if you can believe I that. In Lakeland, right? Yeah, and I believe there's like a relationship there. They're all cousins. They're all Lakeland. I mean, it's got to be. But these are not big uglies along the line. Right. These are athletes at defensive back, wide receiver. So that's the freshest set of recruiting news. Anything else you're hearing, things that could be transpiring? No, I I think it's pretty obvious from what I'm seeing on Twitter. Their their main focus is on solidifying and keeping this early signing class they've got because I think they've got 21. And they really like like what they got so far. Yeah, so I think that's it. To Florida State's credit, man, they had that initial, what, two or three guys decommit. The rest of the guys have, have stuck. A lot of guys are waiting to see what happens. A, a lot of guys are. And and so, I mean, that's, you know, I, I think everybody's made their pitch. Florida State has some guys, just like Florida does, that if they decommitted, nobody would go after them anyway. Like, it, it's just a good fit. It's their best offer. There's probably four or five in that class that I'm sure Florida's contacting and other schools are contacting. And, you know, those people are waiting to see. So I think it's going to take that hire happening um, before you see any movement at all at Florida State, if any. But I I think Florida lands, you know, one or two more big ones, and then they're pretty dang satisfied. Lucas Kroll opens up a spot. Felipe opens up a spot. So I think if they wanted to, they could probably sign 27. Yeah. I don't think they will. They'll be solidified in the top ten. They're going to have, to me, a top ten recruiting class. Finally, 30 seconds left. A little bit on Gator Hoops. Boy, they only play like one game in a span of 14 days. They survived Marshall. I don't know what that was. They got a really interesting one Saturday against Butler, a top 25 Butler team. But the bottom line is after a 2-2 two and two start, Florida's now won four in a row, seems to be finding their footing a little bit on the They're hardwood. so frustrating to watch, though, man. I just – I can't. Like, my, my son makes me watch every game because he's such a big Gator fan. He just won't see everything. It doesn't matter, softball, baseball, basketball, whatever it is. My gosh, it's like beating your head up against a wall watching. It is. It's frustrating, particularly the freshmen because they're learning things right now. Kerry Blackshear, I understand what the hype was about. That guy's a beast, man. 
Okay. You're not a Kerry Blackshear fan? I mean, it is what it is. I'm just tired of the same crap every year. Wow. Shoot a basketball well. Like it's, it's kind of a key to winning a basketball game is to score, right? Yeah. It is. And, hey, look, I think Butler will be a great test. They play Butler on Saturday. Um, then, by the way, conference play is getting pretty close, too. It's right around the corner. So, we'll obviously be talking a lot more Gator hoops, a lot more like recruiting. the ACC and started off with conference play. I saw, well, that's the ACC network, man. I mean, started off. That's the power of the network. <laughs> that is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. I'm actually off next week. So, uh, we'll probably reconvene Gator Bites one more time right before uh, Christmas. And that will obviously be all recruiting Gator hoops, and then bowl coverage, as it looks like. It looks like right now Florida could be headed to the Orange Bowl to take on the Virginia Cavaliers. Won't that be a lot of fun? Denny will do it again soon. Yep. That is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Thank you to Southeast Orthopedic Specialists for bringing you this edition of Gator Bites on 1010XL.com and on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page.